thinking mental note, I've got to watch that thing that Josephine recommended to me. Yeah. And we were planning to do it after Bad Sisters, but Bad Sisters is taking us a You while. didn't have to take a mental note. I texted it to you. You would have taken a literal note. <laughs> so have you watched it? No. We're going okay. to finish Bad Sisters, but then I want to watch it. Did someone else recommend it and that's why you're now keen? Well, I don't think I realised that it was the same show. Who recommended it? Jerry. Yeah, and Jerry's recommendations are just. Uh, Fuck you. No, it's it's good. I it's good to know where I stand. <laughs> Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Pretty well, thank you. It's good. Mm, welcome to my favorite musical. That's correct. Uh, that's Josephine. That's Ruth. And before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, the dark and young people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. And yeah. in fact, today um, we're recording on Survival Day or um, Invasion Day. Indeed. So yeah. more than ever, um, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. That's right. We, like especially today, we acknowledge... The hurt and harm that continues to be perpetrated against um, our sovereign people. And a reminder that not a single other Commonwealth country celebrates their Independence Day on the day that uh, they were colonised. Um, yeah. In fact, we're the only ones that do that. Yeah. And um, every other one <laughs> most celebrate the day that they were made independent from the British. Yeah, which uh, <laughs> hopefully will be a new date we can put in our calendars soon. Yeah, we'll see. Do I don't know. Do you reckon we'll get a referendum? Ha- I doubt it. But not on that, no. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a huge amount of work to be done. And um, pay the rent. Um, yeah, pay the rent. You know, do some reading, support black businesses. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. Um, and like obviously you're listening to this now. If you're in Australia, it's past the 26th of January. But um, just a gentle reminder that our Aboriginal people have asked that we don't celebrate on that day. Yeah, So exactly. maybe it's just something to think about for next year. 100%. If, if the date hasn't changed by then. Yeah. 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 Um, have you been good? Yeah. So that this is a musical theatre podcast. Yeah, but, you know, we're Australian. It's important to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. No, absolutely. But, yeah, we're going to get into musical theatre now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, have any news of the – Well, I was going to say – Of the world? Since we last spoke, we've seen a few shows uh, since we last we? recorded. Yeah. I've seen, like, one. We saw RBG together. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, Wait, have we not recorded no, since then? No, no, I checked. We recorded like a couple of days before we saw it. Oh. Yeah. It was great. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. Yeah. So that was um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg basically, like for those who don't yeah. know, uh, that was at Sydney Theatre Company. It's a, I think it was technically called RBG of Many One. Yes. Was the name of the play. Yes. Um, I keep thinking the notorious RBG. Like, no, I know. That's not what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, it was a one-woman show that Heather Mitchell performed at Who Sydney Theatre Company. Who was the playwriter? I can't remember her name, but she also wrote yeah. that, um, is it Prima Facie? Yes, Prima, Prima Facie. Facie. Yeah, uh, that's going to Broadway, right? Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, with Jodie Comer in it. And that was started at, like, Griffin Theatre, I think, in Sydney. Oh, yeah, but she's a lawyer, the playwright. Susie. and 
Susie Miller. Miller, yeah. So I know that she's a lawyer. Yes. She's uh, Australian, right? She's Australian, yeah. Yeah, yeah so this play, uh, it was just magnificent and Ruth and I were sort of both Australians who are probably more uh, au fait with uh, US political systems yeah. than the average Australian definitely felt like this play wouldn't land with an American audience in the yeah, same way. Yeah, that's how we felt. We felt that if it if it was going to travel outside of Australia, they'd probably have to do some rewrites. Yeah, just because there was a lot of explaining about, you know, judicial process and, yeah. and how the Supreme, the Supreme Court, Court works. works yeah. um, things that I don't know if Americans would need, but gosh, it was beautiful. And I, I don't often see one people shows. Yeah. This was magnificently done. It was really well done. Yeah, really well and done. And Heather Mitchell was just Gosh, incredible. She's so good. Um and we've both seen Amadeus. <sighs> Which was also incredible. Yeah, so Amadeus is at the Sydney Opera House starring Michael Sheen. Yeah, in the brand new concert hall. Neither of us had been there since it had been renovated, so that was great. Yeah, so it was like holy smokes. It was just perfect. It was great. Um, I was already like obviously disposed to love Michael Sheen, but maybe fell in love with him even more after that. Don't you reckon? Absolutely. What a talent. He's. I've always just thought he was incredible and I know he does these – you might know more about it, but these like um, passion play yes. thing back in Wales yes. in his hometown, he does that every year. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about the history of those passion plays, but yeah, yeah it's like a big thing that he's involved with in his hometown. Yes. Not to be um, confused with passion with a capital P, it's not like a religious thing. It's um, Oh, isn't it? Pa- not the passion. That's oh, not what you mean. I thought it? you do them at Easter though. I think it's like I a – Because I read it as – Oh, interesting. Maybe I'm getting the story wrong. Mm. But yeah, Michael Sheen, obviously, if people have seen, well, he was in that, the he played Tony Blair in um, The Queen. Was that the movie, the name of the movie? Um, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, that's is, what I thought. It's like a it it's is like the a Catholic. Passion with a capital P. Yeah. yeah. The passion for those who aren't Catholic is um, Jesus' death, basically. Yeah. Like the week of his death. It's like a, a reenactment yeah. sort of play, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so he does that back in his hometown of Wales. Mm. He's very involved in it. It's a, it's an epic. It's like a 70-hour, yeah. like, extravaganza. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, but, yes, if you, and if people haven't seen the TV show Masters of Sex, he's excellent he's in that as well. He's very good in that. He's great in 30 Rock. Oh, yeah. He's awesome in Twilight. He is in Twilight. <laughs> um, but anyway. Isn't that um, the one with David Tennant um, where they play like good and bad? Yeah, that? I don't know it. I That's know the, the one you're Pratchett talking one? about. Mm. Yeah. Oh, is it Bad Omens? Is that what it's ba- called? Mm, yeah. Something like that. There's like a whole like niche of people who yeah, are Yeah, who are so at annoyed at us, I know. I'm so sorry. I'm I think so it's sorry. Good Omens. Oh, I think you're right, actually. It is Good Omens. <laughs> sorry, Yeah, everyone. I think you're right. Um, um, and uh, anyway, Amadeus was incredible. So it's a play. Yeah. But the way they sort of did it in the concert hall was that there was live or- or- orchestra playing. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a full orchestra, was Not it? a full orchestra, that's true. Yeah. Um, and also... And opera singers. And opera singers, yeah. Because it's it's it was by Sydney Opera, right? Like it was by the Opera, opera Australia? Ha- opera House, yeah. So Opera House produced yeah, it. Yeah, correct. So they obviously have access to the correct yeah, people, you that's know? that's right. So, but what... It was just like the perfect amalgamation of incredible art design, like beautiful costume design. I loved the costumes. I just couldn't get over it. Um, set was amazing. The musicians were incredible. The singers were incredible. Yeah. Like, and as a piece of theatre, it's so 
beautiful. Yeah. Like if you like the film, this was just – it's too late. You can't see it anymore. You can't see it. It stops now. But whoa. Yeah. And um, Toby, Toby Schmitz was a supporting role and also understudied Michael Sheen and, and did a show. Yeah, he played the emperor. He played the emperor and he was just – He was so good. It was so good. It had been a long time since I'd seen him in anything. Yeah, he was amazing. And, oh, I just remind him. He's got – He's got gravitas. So much gravitas, so much charisma. Yeah. I'd forgotten. And um, gosh, I'm going to forget his name, the, the boy who played Mozart. Yeah, I think it's like Rahel. Rahel, yeah. I saw him in Lord of the Flies. He Oh, was he in Lord of the Flies? Yes. Yes, he was the recipient of the Heath Ledger Award. Oh, the scholarship? Yeah, like yeah. maybe last year. Okay. He so was he's fairly good. young then. He's fairly young. Yeah, like I would okay. say mid-20s maybe. Okay, radio. I he thought was he was great. I hadn't realised that Michael Sheen had played Mozart. Yes, apparently that was like his big break. Yes. Like he was quite young. Yeah. Gosh, it's a great role. But yeah. you, like Salieri, oh my God. And it just reminded me of like how really truly magical theatre and opera can be. Mm. And it, like Shane said to me, oh, we, we definitely have to see it because he's never seen an opera. Yeah. He's like, this year we're going to see an opera. So well, I've, and I've I mean for our about... listeners as well, if you go, if you download the Today Ticks app, yes. um, which you definitely should if you're a theatre fan because it's available all over the world. Yeah, it's um, a great app. Uh, they, the Opera Australia do rush tickets, yep. day of for $45 on the Today Ticks app. So, like yesterday, if, there were $45 tickets for Labo M. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So, that's a really accessible way for people to see opera if yeah. that's something you want to do this year for the first time. I'm trying to think of which opera to take him to as his first Labo M probably would be a good one. I was thinking Labo M, or I mean, it would. The Magic Flute would probably be the best one that he could go see first up mm. or Marriage of Figaro. Yeah. But also like if Madame Butterfly's on, yeah. you know. Anyway. Probably a Pacini though. A Pacini. I yeah, I'd with. say is a good. A good entry level. Meanwhile, this is a musical theatre podcast. We haven't talked oh, yeah, about shit. a single musical. Hey, so I recently got an Audible subscription. Yes. Because like I've exhausted all the free audiobooks on the library Yeah. Um. So exciting news. Daniel Day Kim is set to voice an audible version of Yellowface. Oh, interesting. Yeah, by Henry David Huang. Who, who, like we've talked about this play yeah. many, many times. Um, so this is like Audible have branched out into a few different spaces. They're doing like original I knew they were, readings, yeah. But they're also – there's like Audible Theatre. So they're – some – I was reading and I couldn't quite get to the bottom of it, but they've like even staged some off-Broadway plays and then like been able to release. Am I right that they own a theatre? I think oh. there's like an audible theatre. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying that. See, in my head, head audible theatre was like an arm of audible yeah, rather than right. a physical place, but you might be right. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, so I'm really looking forward to listening to Yellowface. And I love Daniel Day Kim, but um, I'm excited that that's so a way we it's could. It's the musical rather than. It's the play. Oh, it's the play. The okay. play will be available on audible, like as an audio book. Okay. For like a play, a dramatization. Yeah, okay. Audio version of the, Interesting. Of the play. Yeah. That's great. Um, so more and they're going to be doing more and more plays in that Yeah, in that very format. cool. Yeah. Which like, you it's know, awesome. they have been in the UK with like BBC and yeah. stuff for years. Yeah, BBC so it's do great so many to, radio plays. It's, it's great for the, that to sort of continue. Well, I love the idea that because the BBC is really good at like serialised sort of radio yes, plays. Yes, that's true. But this is like a standalone existing work. This isn't like an original yeah. work for Audible. This is a famous play, you know, that, that people would like to maybe have seen. Yeah. You know? 
But it's not it's not like Yellow Face is on in every theatre around the corner. No, that's so right. For those who don't remember, Yellow Face is the play that was written about um, Jonathan Price's casting in Miss Saigon. Yes. As the engineer. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to mention, speaking of sort of books, so I'm a terrible reader. Um, like you read well, you just don't read much, right? I don't read books. This is the issue. I read a lot of articles. Yes. And... I, I'm just bad at sitting down and reading like a long form yeah. thing, right? Uh, and so it was sort of a bit of a New Year's resolution. I'm like, I'm going to read before bed every night. Anyway, so I'm that um, makes my heart so happy. I'm reading um, uh, volume four of the Untold Stories of Broadway currently. Yeah, uh, written by uh, Jen Tepper, who also yes. happens to be a friend of mine. But that is beside the point. It's an excellent series of books that every nerd should read. Um, and I'm almost <laughs> finished that. And once I'm finished that. I'm going – I've downloaded uh, Shy about Mary Rogers, yes. the biography, um, which I'm really – apparently it's excellent. We talk excellent. about Mary Rogers often We do. She's here. pretty integral. So, of course, yes. for those who don't know, she's Adam Gettle's mum and Richard uh, Rogers' Richard Rogers daughter. daughter. Yeah. And, of course, wrote Once Upon a Mattress yeah. and some others. And and if you was if you don't know – if you know Merrily We're All Along Well, the song um, Opening Doors is about her, Hal Prince and Sondheim. Yeah, because they were all friends. They are all friends. So yeah. I'm And very... she was definitely like a theatre brat. Like That's she, right. She like grew up in, the, in those spaces. Exactly. Like she knew everyone. Yeah. She, yeah. So I'm very excited to read that next. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that it's called Shy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, which is a song from Once Upon a Mattress for those who yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention, because the Oscar nominations have just been released, that uh, Stephanie Sue, who was in the original, she was the original Karen the Computer in Spongebob the Musical, and she was in the original cast of Be More Chill, has just been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Like a proper, like, theatre person. Yeah. So she was in um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. She's so good. She's so good in it and it's such a good film. So she was in um, The Marvelous, Marvelous of Mrs. Yes, Hazel, which was. is like a, a cast full of Broadway people, right? Because yeah. it's very New York. And also I would say that that style of writing, um, yes. what is it, Amy? Um, Palladino. Palladino. Sherman Palladino. Is very, um, very theatre, like very yeah. theatrical. And she loves theatre as That's well. That's right. Yeah. So, so she's made that transition to TV and then this movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Once, which if, I'm sure you've seen it, but like it's perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect film. It's so good. Um, gosh, I hope they all win. I know it got 11 nominations. Yeah, so, far out. Yeah, I, I yeah. And the um the other thing I wanted to mention is that the West End revival recording of Cabaret has just been released, um, starring Eddie Redmayne and also Jesse Buckley, who we will discuss mm. later in this episode. Yes, we will. Um, Have you listened to it yet? Not yet, but I've heard some criticism. Yeah, I don't like Eddie Redmayne. Oh, so that's not – mostly the criticisms have been of her that oh. I've heard. Because you know how there's all this talk about Sally yeah. can't sing? Yeah. And apparently a lot of people feel like, oh, they've taken it a- a bit too far with this and oh. it, she just doesn't sound good. Like this isn't funny. It's not Judy Dench playing Sally Bowles anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting because it's like, I mean, we'll talk about it, but it's not like she was someone who's never been in a musical before. No, this is a musical theatre performance. Yeah, so I think it's kind of a weird take um, that is people – just like a character made, choice I think it might made. be. Yeah. Because yeah. like she can sing. Yeah. So <laughs> – it's sort of weird, but um, now I definitely want to listen to it. Yeah, I'm going to. I I only remembered last night that it had come out, but I haven't listened to it yet. That's saying a lot too, because I don't love to listen to cabaret. It's not like one I would go to. Mm. You know, it's not a quite cast recording I relish. Yeah, maybe because it's sad. Yeah, 
Um, hey, um, do you have other news or do you want to talk about a musical? Yeah, let's talk about a musical. We're talking about Oliver. We are. Oliver with an exclamation mark. You can't forget that. You cannot. So do many you... musicals have exclamation marks. Okay. I've even written this. Why is there an exclamation? I truly don't care enough to research. And then as I was writing that, I was like, well, you should research it and tell the people on the podcast. I didn't. Like I was literally like, la da da, didn't I, I bet there's no reason. Why would there is, not be a reason? It, surely it just would have been like Why a bunch of shows back then had exclamation marks but, to draw attention to them. But why? Well, like, why, why does Moulin Rouge have an exclamation mark? Yeah, that's nuts. I get Oklahoma because. <laughs> okay, here. Mark Zablo, a branding specialist at Cogent Entertainment, has weighed in on the subject by saying that exclamation points bring urgency, excitement, and humor. It makes you expect the show to be lively and have a lot going on. Yeah, well, it's fucking Oliver Twist, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like saying, Lee Miss. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are they. <laughs> It's bizarre. Anyway, that is a great precursor to this mm. absolute train wreck of an exclamation. What's mark. your um, history with Oliver? So um, I was given the song Where Is Love to sing from my very first singing teacher when I was probably around 10. Cute. Um, and that's all I knew about the show for a little while. I read the book when I was pretty young and I saw the film around the same time. Yeah. Um, I've since seen a number of amateur productions and all up I would rather not repeat the experience of interacting with this musical. Um, it's actually pretty wild to me that like anyone thought that Dickens could turn into a fair musical at all. Mm. Um, yeah. So I've got lots of complicated feelings that I will get into. It's not pure hatred for this one. No. Um, but it's like, I don't think this, I don't think this musical works as a musical. Okay. Because think, as in compared to the source material. Yeah. I think, so, well, I'll just lay it out. I think you could take the songs from this musical and make a great musical or you could take the story right. and make a separate musical, but you cannot have them both. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so like choose your poison. Would you rather the story? Great, we'll write new songs. Or would you rather the songs? We'll write a new and story. And so what's the issue with the current songs, with the current story? Um, there's a lot of dissonance. Okay. I think. Do you mean in terms of like mood, like atmosphere? Yeah, and I would say like content, character, just like. Because it's so serious? Yes. Yeah. And I have no issue with a serious musical, but I have, I take issue with this one because there is no there's no pathos anywhere like. right and and every song's obviously like an oompa part yeah literal oompa part yeah and then there's just like like it's the most grim subject ever like it, and it, the story is so grim yeah and then yeah it's just oompa part whereas for you you'd probably prefer like the sort of lay Miz style epic music yeah and then just hints of a yep. reviewing the situation type. See, I think like Sweeney Todd is the perfect sort of balance there in terms of that like gross London mm. and it's still got a lot of light but yeah. it definitely – Well, it's a proper melodrama as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what Oliver should be and it is supposed to be because it's more of a comment. It's a commentary like that's yeah. the purpose of the book. Could you go more – like you know the way that Sweeney Todd is very like – a black comedy kind yes. of thing. Do you think you could approach it that way? I don't know. It's difficult because of the child element. Yeah, that is so true yeah. because I was actually thinking that a lot while researching it because having this many kids, it's not just Oliver and the Artful Dodger either. Like there's lots of kids there's in so this so many cast. kids. It's Annie basically for boys. Yeah, but also like so you can't be too tongue-in-cheek with it no. because they're not going to get that. Well, that's the thing and I, I think – that's where this – it doesn't work. You That's need – the person playing Oliver 
and to a certain extent the person playing the outfit dodger to actually be kind of earnestly truthful. Yeah. And a lot of people's – a lot of pundits say like that's the whole point of Oliver is that um, – both those characters are earnest and we're seeing we're seeing the whole world through Oliver's eyes and he's quite sweet and innocent but yeah. I would say that's just like a really simplistic take on the sub on the content like mm. of the book because it's like I'm sorry but like you're nine years old and you're raised in a workhouse in like in awful awful conditions and yeah. times like you're not seeing the world like um pa pa yeah right do you know what I mean yeah it's, yeah it's just like really naive yeah mm. It, yeah, okay, interesting. So, what about you? I don't think I've ever seen this professionally. No, I, I was thinking that, like, when is it ever done? No, I know. And, like, I mean, obviously, I'll talk about a bunch of productions, but I don't think it's been here no. in Australia since the early 2000s. Even, like, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Which is weird. I think it's, yeah, like um, 2002 or something like that. It was last year. Yeah. Um, I wonder why, because in my head, Oliver is quite a big. Yeah, like it's, it's like a blockbuster. And the fact that it's had several West End revivals, revivals since then, I'm like, and who knows, like it could be it could be the sort of show that they bring out here again mm. or like it was maybe supposed to happen. But it's probably the ca- – honestly, it's probably the case of it's really expensive to do shows with kids in them. Yeah, so many kids. Yeah, like it's – it really is. Like from a producer's point of view yeah. and – um, this is a costume drama too. Like exactly, that's it's, yeah, all of those things. Yeah. So, um, I have also, same as you, seen several amateur productions over the years. I, I love that it's like too expensive to put on professionally, but amateur societies are like, let's well, go. Amateur societies know it's gonna. Well, they're not paying the kids, right? That's no, the difference. That's right. Um, Much like in Oliver. Yes, but I guess amateur societies go. Oh, it's gonna put bums on seats. Yeah, which I think it does. I Even think, though, isn't it like three and a half hours? Like I remember it being very long. Is it long? Is it's it? It's long. Okay, I didn't look at. I, I didn't think the look movie is super long too. Yeah, right. I just I think, I think in my head when I think of these older shows, and I know that it's not as old, like it's the sixties rather than, yeah. you know, the forties, right? But I have always thought, oh, it's it's a show that holds up. And I do think that in terms of it hasn't horrible. I mean, we'll talk about the sort of domestic violence yeah. stuff, but in terms of like racial things, in terms of even yeah. honestly it's, like gender roles, stuff like that. It's not as problematic as it could it's be. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing is that at least in terms of the violence that it takes place, mm. they don't necessarily like excuse the behavior of no, Bill Sykes. No. Like, so it's not, no, problematic he's not a in complex that way. Character. He's it, just bad. It's more that it's more probably the message of a song like "As Long as He Needs Me" that is yeah. like, Ugh, yeah. like a or bit I awkward. Do anything. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's what makes it more awkward rather than the actual kind of story. Yes. Um, so I guess in my head, I've always been like, "Oh, Oliver holds up, right?" Yeah. And um, and I would say, to a certain extent, like listening to it this week and researching. I still feel that way. I think the only thing is I, I was just like, yeah, mm. there are no songs in this show that I love. Mm. I Obviously, there's catchy songs, mm. which I think is great. I also obviously respect that it was all written by one person. I, I was going to say that's like yeah. my favourite part of the whole Same. thing. Same. Like Father, I, Son, Holy Ghost. I do think that's really impressive. Yeah, I agree. Um, and – you know, a testament to the show. And and so, yeah, look, like I do think it has redeeming factors that a lot of especially older shows we talk about don't have. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, I think. Um, well, like I love that in, in translating the 
book to the musical Lionel Bart sort of adjusted the character of Fagin. A bit. Yeah. It was quite an anti-Semitic sort of character. Yes. Um, and so Fagin's not as problematic in terms of being a Jewish character who's terrible. Um, so like there are, you're right, there are catchy songs. I quite like some of the songs. Yeah. Like they're fine. What I would say is obviously they're like quite nice to listen to. So therefore mm. quite nice to watch on stage. But they're not the sort of songs that you sit there and go, I really want to listen to that Definitely. cast recording. Definitely you know? not. What I will say though is like as – because like you mentioned, it was written by – so Lionel Bart wrote the whole thing. That's um, music lyrics and book. That's a huge undertaking of such a tome as well. Like yes. Oliver Twist is not a small – book that's right like it's quite a hefty not only in terms of length because it is quite long it's not lame is long but it's long and it's also really dense like it's heavy he had to really sift through a lot of story and obviously heaps was cut and i don't think it was a good idea to adapt oliver twist into a musical but that's a huge undertaking and he did it in a way you're right that isn't like oh this is a piece of shit yeah and still accessible 60 years later yeah yeah which is just yeah i was talking to shane about Obviously, he was like, what are you doing this week? And um, he's got a lot of nostalgia tied up with Oliver. Yeah. So he was quite defensive of it and, like, feels a lot of feelings about it. Has he been in it? No, he's never been in but it. But just as a child, like, yeah. liking the – But when – because he's always then like, well, why don't you like it? Like, tell me your dumb reasons. And I was just like – I sort of laid out all the reasons and saying, I don't think it's a piece of shit, but I just yeah. think, like, I don't know if there's a place in the world for it necessarily. Mm. See, I do. Mm. I think there is. Like, mm. to me, when we're talking about what sort of should still be performed, yeah. I think this is okay. Yeah, like, but choose like, this over Miss Saigon. You yeah, know, like, and I also think, like – it's possibly a gateway for some people to Oliver Twist mm. as well, which I do think is also a good thing. Interesting. Um, you know, like if we're talking about, say... I think they will get a fucking rude shock. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they get when to the When they read the book material. and are like, holy... Yeah. Yeah. It is dark. Man. It's so dark. Yeah. It's so dark. Yeah. Yeah. And I do actually think... It's, it is funny. Like, I'm sure you felt the same way. But listening to it, I was like, oh, this is quite a dark musical... And then there's just all these children in it. Like none of those children, do, the, do all those kids in the show realise that a woman's being beaten to death? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like. I know. It's so just too, it's too much. Like, yeah. If I had a young son and he was like, can I be an Oliver? I'd be like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I don't really want to have conversations with you about this is, you know, like this is the world. If you're an eight-year-old playing Oliver, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. Yeah. It's a really weird one. It is. I like the character of Artful Dodger though. Great character. Great character. Yeah. And some and it's got some fun songs. And, yes. Yeah. And I love every time in the winter when I wear fingerless gloves, I sing You Gotta Pick a Pocket or Two. Like, and also like it's kind of like what Gavroche is trying to be. Yes, 100%. But succeeding more so than Gavroche. In fact, I'm actually certain that the 1994 recording, Artful Dodger is played by – the guy who plays Gavroche in the 10th anniversary. I think you're right. Like it's the same voice. I'm yeah. sure of it. I looked at a lot of cast stuff and often they had played both. Yeah. Well, yeah. you would if you're that age. And, and Cameron Macintosh on. produced both. So yeah. he'd be just like, he, we, this kid, exactly. bring him in. Yeah, exactly. It is the same character. But yeah, Artful Dodge is just a lot more complex. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about the story? I do. Okay. Um, so this is the plot of the Lionel Bart musical, Oliver! Exclamation mark, not the book by Charles, Not Charles Dickens', Dickens book, Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Twist, a poor boy's progress maybe or oh, a, is poor, it? a poor, oh, what is I'll it? I'll Google it. You keep start talking. It's like a, something to do with Parson or I don't know. 
Anyway, it's a pretty hefty book, so a lot of things were left out. Many plot points were simplified. If you've only read Oliver Twist and not seen Oliver. Mm, Oliver Twist or The Parish Boy's Progress. The Parish Boy's Progress, mm. that's right. Um, okay, so we open in a workhouse somewhere outside of London, obviously in some parish somewhere, with a bunch of orphan boys, very sad, only being given gruel to eat. Side note, gruel is like porridge but really watery. Okay. So, like, you could drink it. Oh. So, it's some sort of, like, crushed cereal, like, wheat or crushed rice or crushed oats and then just water. That's good to know. Yeah. I did wonder. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. Um, so, Oliver and his orphan buddies dream of eating more food and Oliver gathers the courage to ask for more gruel from the awful man who runs the workhouse. Yeah. Um, famously, he's then sent out of the workhouse. You know, he's kicked out. He's sold more? to an under- you want yeah, that's more? Right. Also, I think Oliver is maybe eight or nine, very mm. young. Mm. He's sold to an undertaker to be his apprentice where he is not treated particularly well um, and he just has to like hang out with coffins and stuff. Yeah. That's where he sings Where Is Love. So he escapes and he's on the loose in London where he meets the Arthur Dodger who seems like a nice boy who takes Oliver under his wing and to his friends and colleagues. And, in fact, Arthur Dodger is very generous with Oliver. Like, yeah. He, yeah, and like fully protects him. It's lovely. So then Oliver's introduced to Fagin, an elderly thief who's too old to do any thieving but is teaching young boys to pickpocket. So he's got like a den where he just has all these kids. It only seems like young boys. There's no young girls. I don't know what they were up to. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, It's kind of like a pimp though. It, it is exactly like a yeah. pimp. And he is a pickpocket. So Oliver doesn't actually figure out for quite a while that there's anything illegal going on. Yeah. He thinks they're like making the handkerchiefs that they – that the right. boys have stolen. It's all very sweet. Oliver is very naive is the whole point. He meets Nancy, who's another member of Fagan's gang um, and is the common law wife of Bill Sykes, this truly horrifying criminal who abuses Nancy. He has a dog, um, Bullseye. That's right. Yeah. I think the dog is one of the main redeeming features. Too. Yes. I love a dog. Um, so Oliver and some of the boys go out for like his first criminal adventure, but he's caught by the police in the act of robbing a wealthy older man, Mr. Brownlow. Um, so he sort of gets taken away and there's a bargain that Mr. Brownlow sort of just says, oh, we'll take the boy like as punishment. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think what would really happen is that he'd probably be hanged, but yeah, that doesn't happen. (laughs) That ends the show a bit. That would be, yeah, that's right. That's the end of act one. Yeah. Um, so anyway, afraid that he will give up their location and, and activities, Fagan and, um, Bill Sykes decide to kidnap Oliver and like bring him back to their den. Nancy is a bit like hairy about the whole thing. She likes Oliver, but Bill literally whips her into shape. Um, <sighs> Oliver seems to be doing all right with Mr. Brownlow. Like he's sort of loving it. He's a wealthy man, but he's snatched back by the criminals. Um, Mr. Brownlow then discovers that Oliver is actually his long lost grandson. That's he's very keen to get him. It's just Annie. It's just Annie with boys. Yeah. He's very keen and to get him And a little bit back. of newsies. Like, yes. Funny that we've done them both in the last. Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, Mr. Brownlow's like, oh my God, that's my grandson and needs to get him back. Basically there's like a whole side story with a locket just like in Annie where like the locket had a picture of a woman in it and Mr. Brownlow's like, that's my long lost daughter and that's all yeah. his mum. So anyway, Nancy then visits the old man confessing the whole scheme and sort of pro- promising to get Oliver back to him. Um, they're going to meet at London Bridge that night like, and she will bring Oliver to London Bridge so Mr. Brownlow can grab him. Bill suspects that she is up to something so he follows her. He knocks Oliver out and then clubs Nancy to death. In like truly a horrifying scene. 
He flees with Oliver and this like mob discover Nancy's body because they've gone to find Oliver. They discover Nancy's body and Bill's dog, Bullseye, um, like stays with Nancy and then leads the people back to Bill. So they go back to the den, like Fagin's den, and they can't find Bill and then the dog brings him back to London Bridge and he's like there on the bridge holding Oliver out over the bridge and saying like he'll kill him, blah, blah, blah. Um, the police shoot him and save Oliver. In an amazing feat of like yeah. police work. Especially considering the um, the guns at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also just like there's two criminals, like who cares? Because what sort of year is it? It's So like... it's Victorian. It'd be like 18, like mid 1800s, okay, I think. Okay, yeah. Maybe like toward, no, it'd be like mid. During the 1800s. It's though, somewhere yeah. in that 100 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Oliver is saved. He's reunited with his grandfather and Fagan decides to try the straight and narrow. That's right. Yeah, it is just Annie in Victorian England. It really is. With orphan boys. Yes. Not orphan girls. And like I will say, even though you just heard that storyline, it is very grim, with songs just as upbeat as from Annie. Absolutely. In fact, I would say there are less serious songs in Oliver than there are in Annie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Which is a problem because Shane was like, oh, as long as he needs me. I'm like, that's it though. That's yeah. That's it. That's it. And also like there's some quite serious obviously scenes happening yeah. in the midst of and it. And then they sing like umpapa. But literally like reviewing the situation is that like, what's the song called that um, Tenardier sings in yeah, the second it's, act? Yeah, um, it's Beggars of the – oh, no, the uh, – No, Dog, dog Eat Dog. dog. Yeah, whatever. Song. Like it is like the same. Yes. You know. It is the same. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a very similar kind of. Yeah. Lame is meets Annie meets Newsies. Yeah. And just like no real. And of course, by the way, it was written before all of those shows, (laughs) we should say. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's not. It it influenced them rather than the other way around. But like, I want once again, just say that there is a lot of dissonance between the songs and the story. Yeah. 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 So that's the plot. Yeah. Amazing. Do you want me to talk about the differences with the book or do you want to talk about that after? Why don't we do productions and then we'll, and then we'll go through that. So as we said, book music and lyrics by Lionel Bart, as Josephine said, that's known as a father, son and Holy ghost uh, musical. Yeah. Um, Which there aren't many. Not many. Not many. Hades town. Um, Blood Brothers? Blood Brothers. Yep. Uh, uh, Hamilton is technically. Um, mm. The musical is based upon the – Oliver Twist came out in 1838. So it must be somewhere around there yeah. by Charles Dickens. Um, it premiered at the Wimbledon Theatre, which I thought was interesting. Ooh. So that's obviously in Wimbledon for those who have heard of the tennis tournament, which <laughs> is in London. Who hasn't heard of Wimbledon? But, like, do they know that it's a place? Surely. Yeah, I don't want to assume. Okay. So that's in London, but it's not the West End. It's sort of um, yeah. outside You've of the centre. You've got to take a train. That's right. Uh, for a pre- preliminary engagement before opening at the new theatre, which is now called the Noel Coward Theatre, on 30th of June, 1960, it ran for 2,618 performances, which was a record for a musical it in London really at the old, time. It is really old, isn't it? Yeah. Like 60 is just at that's the end of golden, golden age, age, right? Yeah, it's just at it the really end. Is. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, David Merrick, of course, the famous uh, Broadway producer, uh, brought it to Broadway um, and it premiered at the Imperial Theatre on January 6, 1963. Does that mean that Hare and Oliver were on like around the same time? Uh, Hare's not till 69, is it? I think. Because that is the end of the Golden Age, in which case Oliver is definitely in the Golden Age. Right. So it ran it, 67. Uh, 67. Okay. So it closed November 1964 after 774 performances. So like that was decent for the time but considering how well what it a done. Hi- yeah, yeah, what a hit it was in London like I wonder why. Yeah, I don't 
really know, but I mean, I'll talk about it. It's never done that well in America. And it is very British, let's very be British. honest. Also, that time period, that's sort of at the beginning of the downfall of Broadway. True, really. true. Yeah. Although you, we're about to get like Hello Dolly, like there's there's all those 60s shows that yeah. are happening. I wonder if it was just too too much of an old-fashioned musical. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, and I guess it's worth mentioning that several of the original UK actors also transferred with the show to Broadway. Um, it was, though, a critical success mm. and it received 10 Tony Award nominations, including Best Musical. Wow. It won Tony's for Best Scenic Design, Best Original Score and Best Music Direction, which was mm. an award back then. Uh, the other shows nominated for Best Musical that year were Little Me, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, and then the winner was A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Hey. Mm. Well deserved. Well deserved, yeah. yeah. I mean, probably... They, they both hold up, honestly. They do both hold yeah, up. Yeah, they're both shows that... I would choose Funny Thing to see over Oliver. Yeah, although definitely. I think that Funny... I think that Oliver's score is stronger than Funny Thing's score. Interesting. The, the, the strength of Forum is its book, like, More by memorable. far. Yeah. The songs from Oliver, definitely. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's right. It's, it's sometimes Like, the... it's probably sometimes weaker score, Forum. Yeah, which is... Um, yeah, it's certainly his least memorable, I think. Yeah, I um, agree. So there have been a few random Broadway revivals since that original production, all only lasting a month or less. Like, wow. Yeah, so one, really was, hasn't done well. one was less than a year after the original closed in oh. 1965, and the next one was in 1984, which starred Patti Lapone as Nancy. Um, however, even though it only ran two weeks, Ron Moody um, mm. reprised his role as Fagan. He was still nominated for a Tony. Yeah, he's only, like Topol. Yeah, he is. He's the. To- oh, yeah. That's right. So as Topol in Fiddler, yeah, um, playing Tevya, From Ron Moody did, to made an entire career out of playing Fagan. Yeah, um, it's so true. Yeah, um, and. I knew that Cameron McIntosh had been the person who had produced like these more recent revivals of Oliver, but I didn't realise that he has literally done all of them. Did you not know that from Hey Mr. Producer? I guess it didn't occur to me that that was so, but that was after the 1994 one, right? Only just though, Only just, but I just assumed that was the first one that he revived. But no, he has been reviving it since 1977. (laughs) Like, it must have been one of his first shows. Wow. He honestly must have believed in it. Yeah, right? Wow. So, that first revival in 1977 ran two years. um, And then he did it again in 1983 as like a Christmas season. And that was the production that transferred to Broadway that Patty was in. In 1994, yeah. And it was then revived again in 1994 in a very successful production, like a new production. So yeah. those were basically replicas of the original um, West End one. And then this was a new one that was at the London Palladium, directed by Sam Mendes, like like, like yes. a late 20s Sam Mendes. Yes. This was one of his first big hits. That's right. Yeah. Choreographed by, um, uh, is it? Oh, now I'm blanking on. Is it Bourne? Matthew Bourne, the, oh, the choreographer, yeah. who does a lot of the like, yeah, it's Matthew Bourne, yeah. um, who does a lot of the like, he does like a Swan Lake that tours a lot and yeah, yeah he's a very successful choreographer. So that production ran for almost three and a half years. And by the way, the Palladium's massive. It is massive. Yeah, it's like yeah. two and a half thousand seats or Imagine something. Imagine being able to fill that for four years. Right? Whoa. Um, it was then revived again in 2008 at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. So that production starred Rowan Atkinson, um, mm. everyone's beloved Mr. Bean, as Fagan. 
Uh, and Nancy was played by Jodie Prenger. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Jodie Prenger or Prenger. She had won the talent show I'd Do Anything. That's right. Um, which was a reality show specifically to cast Nancy. And also they cast three performers to play Oliver. So I actually don't think I realised that. I knew they cast Nancy, mm. but I didn't realise they were also casting the Olivers. But it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, like when else are you going to find? Yeah, so that. Uh, production ran for two and a half years and went on a successful UK tour afterwards as well. Wow. Um, and then, of course, there's the film. So that was released in 1968 and was very successful. Yeah. I don't think I qu- – I mean, I've seen it. it but I don't think picture. I – Yeah, so I don't think I quite realised how successful. So, it, have you, so you have seen it? Yeah, yeah, that is one that I've seen. I don't – I can't tell you why I've seen some and not others. But yeah. that was one that I think was just shown on TV a lot. It was on TV, In the yeah. same way that I've seen Sound of Music like yeah. a gazillion times and Mary Poppins, you yeah. know. It's the ones – like all the ones that you've seen that I haven't seen are like – say, like, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, things that probably aren't. Gigi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Stuff that wasn't really shown on TV. Yeah. Um, so it won six Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Art Direction, Best Score, Best Sound, and an Honorary Academy Award for the choreographer, Honor White. Wow. So apparently that was quite a big deal. Like, they yeah. a very few times but that, um, honoured choreography. That Who Will Buy – am I thinking of the right song? Oh, the one that's, like, kind of a – like a round yeah, almost. Yeah, when they're in the scene in the film where they're all out in the street. Yeah. I that's think, amazing choreography. I think it is that one yeah. that you're thinking of. Yeah, who will buy? Ripe strawberries, ripe. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of six musical films to win that award, to win Best Picture yeah. at, the, at the Oscars. I think I had a fact about that as well, which is um, – it was the last G-rated film to win the Academy Award oh, for Best Picture. Isn't that wow. interesting? That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, also, it shouldn't be rated G. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true. <laughs> You're right. It's the rating systems change, yeah. not the films. Uh, it was also the last until Chicago in 2002. It was the last movie musical to win. Yeah, it was because it was like yeah, they all they went downhill. They really did to win Best Picture. Yeah. But so like the, before that, it was like Sound of Music, Gigi, heaps, American yeah. in Paris, My so Fair from, Lady. So from, yeah, 68 to 2002, Big no break. movie musicals won. Yeah. Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah, which is It's still pretty rare. It is, yeah. 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 Um, are they all the productions? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You didn't talk about the famous uh, film Oliver and Company? Oh, tell me about that. <laughs> well, I don't really know what it is except that a few weeks ago, I don't even know how it came up. We were talking oh, we we're talking about Billy Joel. Shane and I were in the car talking about Billy Joel, how much we love him. And he was like, I want to find this song. Billy Joel, um, like the voice was in this animated film from the 90s or maybe the 80s about like it was based on Oliver. And it's Oliver and Company, which is just like dogs. Oh. So all the characters are dogs, but it's Oliver. And they sing like. Like eighties slash nineties power ballads oh, that are okay. like written for the movie, and then like weirdly that very same conversation we happened to put on This American Life, and they mentioned this film. Right, I don't know where. So I've listened to the soundtrack. It's actually really good songs. Yeah, a right. lot of them are written by Billy Joel. So it's got nothing to do with the musical. It's, no, it's, it's more like an another adaptation. Except of Oliver I would Twist. say it's a it's a closer um, adaptation of Oliver the the movie musical. Mm. With different songs, mm. yeah, yeah, because it's not like it's not the same as Oliver Twist. Yeah, I feel um, like a lot of adaptations of Oliver have just taken what Lionel Bart did to the storyline and ended up running yes. that as Oliver Twist. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Um, and obviously, I didn't mention it, but it has been all over the world, translated yeah. into many different languages. Um, and like I said, it's been here in Australia, but not since the early two thousands. I don't think. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but, I can't even remember. Yeah, I it should what come the back. Was it, I, I, I honestly like? I mean, we've had this conversation before, but. I feel like we're about to have a rash of revivals because there's no new stuff coming mm. from Broadway anytime soon mm. because of COVID yeah. uh, and all the shows have already been that would have come. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, well yeah, let, where's Carousel? Yes. Where's where's Oliver? Yes, like, exactly. do those producers. I don't don't do see, Rocky Horror again. That's right. I don't want to see Rocky Horror again. No, Mamma Mia. Like, let's do some other stuff. God, can you imagine? Just because, I mean, look, I, not that I think that those shows are necessary. I do think those are worse shows. But I also think we've they've just been here That's within right. the last, fi- like, five years. To be clear to those who don't understand, Rocky Horror is coming back in Australia. And yeah. And it's just here. Any minute. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, we've had enough. Yeah. We're, we've, we've done it enough. Right. I don't know who's still going to see Rocky Horror. I mean, Rocky Horror does have some... Committed fans, to be yeah, fair, they're, they're a whole nother. I'm more questioning who's going to see Mamma Mia still. I can't believe that. Surely you've seen it by now. Whoever went to see Mamma Mia, yeah, yeah, people, yeah, would, people love it. Though. I would go and see a professional production of Oliver. Yeah, same. Definitely. Especially I won't if see the Olivers, amateur. especially if the Olivers were good. Yes. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I'll never see another amateur production. No, Oliver. never. What Never. if my son grew up to play Oliver? Then you'd have oh my to. God, and he would be the perfect <laughs> Oliver. <laughs> He's he fourteen months Oliver old, right and you can now. already tell he would be perfect. Yes. Like, he would have all the right sweetness. He would. Oliver. He's gonna be a musical theatre brat, and he has no choice in the matter. He's so perfect. <laughs> he can play any role he yes. wants. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Should we um, talk about the differences between the book? Yeah, look, it's actually a huge undertaking to explain Oliver Twist Yeah, <laughs> by Charles Dickens. It's honestly, it's my favourite Dickens. You've read a lot of Dickens, yes, right? I, I studied, so I haven't read a lot of um, literature, <laughs> but I studied 19th century literature in high school yes. as a major unit. So I have read quite a bit of Dickens. Yes. Of all the people, <laughs> I've read quite a bit of Dickens. So, yes, I have read Oliver Twist also. And do you like Oliver Twist as opposed to other Dickens? Like, like where does it sit in your... Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I okay. do. Yeah. yeah. I th- Well, like, it's my favourite. Um, I studied it at uni for an English subject that was on, like, urban... Like, just something about cities. Yeah. It's like we did some Evil and War and, like, Huckstep and a few other things. Anyway, um, but, like, you study it when you're older because it's hard to read and it's, like, difficult themes. And it's also, like, Dickens is very clever and it's all about how, like, um, it's a commentary, obviously, but it's also just, like, very – there's lots of inference rather than, like, laying out a narrative. Like, I don't know, it's just – it's just a, maybe a little bit more complex than this musical yes. gives us. Suggests you know, it is. I yeah. think, yeah, and I, I don't – like, it's fine. Like, it's totally fine, but, yeah, it's not the book. So, anyway, um, the differences are stark. The intention is changed. The important voice of Dickens is missing, which is that, like, sort of, like, almost ironic uh, commentary yeah. on the time. Oliver Twist is really about the poor laws at the time. Um, and the conditions of the poor and working class in London, yeah. basically. Um, many characters are missing from the musical. Even more plots and subplots are missing. And like, and like the musical doesn't really make a point about the poverty of its characters. No, it all. doesn't. And that's literally the entire intention. Exactly. Because Dickens himself was not in a workhouse, but his father went to debtor's prison. 
um, which was a really common thing at that time in London for people who couldn't pay their debts because obviously right. everything was like on credit and if you couldn't pay your debts, you went to debtor's prison. Yeah. Um, so his father went to debtor's prison when he was 12 and he was taken out of school and had to go work. When Dickens was 12. Dickens yeah. was 12, yeah. So he had to go and work at a boot blackening factory. Right. Um, so he did that for quite a few years and that like that would have been incredibly difficult work. Yeah. Um, the, not the not the same as a workhouse, but very difficult. So he was very passionate about that. And if you've read any of his works, you will see that. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the characters who are missing, like, are quite important. And also, like, the dynamic between Nancy and Bill is also really important. Nancy is, like, maybe 17-ish. Yes. Um, Bill's, like, a 35 to maybe 40-year-old yeah. man. Um, Bill is a lot more... Like he's a very black and white character already, but Fagin is a lot more grey in the book. Like he, yeah. he's definitely like on par with Bill in terms of his behaviours. Right. Um, and Nancy is very clearly uh, not choosing to be in this situation. Right. Like there's so much more. And she's like that classic um, tart with a heart character, you know, that stock yeah. character. That there's mention too, like in – I think Dickens has mentioned that she was a prostitute. Um, I say that word purposely because that's what he said, but that – at the time that word was used to be more like a person who was maybe in a relationship with a man before marriage. Mm. So there's no evidence to say she's a sex worker. I think she's just a criminal. Like she's just a right. person who maybe she was, I don't like know. Like a person of the streets basically. That's right. And, yeah. and, and prostitute in the, in the sense of she was a fallen woman. Like yeah. she had sex outside of marriage. Yeah. But also like was probably a child. Um, I actually think also the show works best in terms of that when she is cast quite a bit younger than and Bill And she Sykes. should be. Yeah. I've, the, all the productions I've seen, she hasn't been. Like it's, yeah. it's been like a like an actual relationship. Two adults. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's not – she should be someone who can have a relationship with Oliver, not yeah. a romantic relationship but can understand him. Yeah. And is certainly closer in age to him. Yeah. Um, so that that's quite well explored in the book, of course. Yeah. Um, look, as an adaptation – I give it a negative one out of ten. <laughs> Terrible. But as a piece on its own, like the musical's great. Yeah. You know, if it was separate, um, don't mistake it for Oliver Twist, basically. And obviously, like, you know the source material very well. Yeah. Which is also like like you know it a lot better than I do, for example. Like, even though I've read it, I'm kinda like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't necessarily bother me that much. No. And like I don't don't get me wrong, I don't think it actually bothers me because I was, I was meditating on like, well, because I love Les Mis, the book, right? Like yeah. Victor Hugo, I love it. Um, and the musical is not, like it misses a whole bunch of stuff. Like yeah. there's so much plot missing and the characters missing and there's intention missing, but like it feels like a more uh, authentic representation. Mm. Certainly there's an, an attempt to sort of showcase the horrors of the time or whatever. I don't feel like that effort is made in Oliver. Mm. So I, I take issue with that, I think. If Oliver were just Oliver and not this is Dickens' Oliver Twist, yeah. I would be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking a bit about how books don't really get adapted into musicals anymore. Mm. And I don't know if it's partly that the the musical form has sort of exploited all of the classic novels, yeah. right? Like yeah. most of them. Um, but also – nowadays what you do see every now and then is like a famous novel being adapted into a play. Like yes. I just don't think we see musicals as the sort of thing yes. that you would adapt a novel from. And I think that's a 
good thing. Yeah. Like, I don't – I just don't think it's the right form yeah. for an adaptation. Yeah. And I love musicals, obviously, like here I am, but I just don't think – I don't think we've mastered it yet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Not to say you shouldn't do it, like whatever. All art is good art. That's totally fine. But, um, yeah, I just – there's something that just niggles with me a little bit. And in some ways, I mean, what will be interesting as we – like, for example, uh, in 2020 – one, I think it was, even before tw- 2022, um, The Great Gatsby entered yeah. the public domain. And there's a bunch about to, I think, yes. um, uh, into the public domain. I think there's an author, um, and I can't remember. Is it maybe Tolkien? Has, has it, we might be at the stage oh, really? where um, there's someone big that's just um, – that we're to... en- we've hit like 75 years since their death – um, and they're entering the public domain as of they entered it as of the first of January twenty twenty three, but yeah, um, yeah, wow. And so, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's just just um, is it, isn't it? Is it Florence Welch is working on the Great Gatsby? Like that's well, that's like that's happened. One of many. That's right. There's many productions. Yeah. Um, like for example, there's been this immersive production of it that's been running in London for a couple of years now. Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, maybe that is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Rather than Tolkien. <laughs> Pretty different anyway. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, so, like, I think that will – what we'll start to see is those kind of, like, yeah. people who died in the 20s and 30s. Interesting. Um, some of their works yeah. starting to um, be adapted because, obviously, if something's in the public domain, you don't have to pay royalties and you don't have to seek permission to adapt it. Mm. Whereas if you were adapting, I don't know – um, any book written in the last 20 years, yeah. you know, you, you know, any book written in the last 75 years really. Yeah. then yeah. yeah, like you can't just make Harry Potter the musical. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. And But then I still think there's so many cla- – like where's Wuthering Heights the musical? <laughs> well, it existed, right, and did terribly, yes. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and Jane Eyre was such a disaster. But then there's not been much Austen adaptation. No, that's true. And I wonder why. We'll do it. What do you mean we'll do it? I can't just write a musical. Yeah, you I can. have no creative talent. Yeah, you can. Oh. <laughs> hey, so bah, bah, bah. did you do that thing where you typed in like fun facts about Oliver? No, I didn't. <laughs> I had enough without doing that. Well, I did just to see like what came up and a lot of a lot of the things were like, well, Oliver's not a very fun thing ah. to talk about. I was like, I know, but you know what I mean, Google. Yeah, like, yeah. Give me some interesting stuff. Give me some stuff. interesting things, but it's all like Bill Sykes actually is a domestic abuser. I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> this was my favourite. Ready. And is the reason, because I wrote to Josephine a few weeks ago while I was reading Untold Stories of Broadway and was like, hey, we should do Oliver. Why haven't we done Oliver on the podcast? <laughs> because I loved this fact, um, which was that over a year after it opened, um, the Broadway cast performed several numbers on the Ed Sullivan show Aww. on February 9th, 1964. It just happened to be the broadcast where the Beatles made their American TV debut. <gasps> so more than 73 million viewers saw it and it helped ticket sales greatly. Wow. Um, and side note, the same thing helped the show The Most Happy Fella when it shared a bill with Elvis on The Ed Sullivan Show. Wow. Yeah, isn't that cool? That is really cool. So that was the fact that made me message you and go, hey, we should do Oliver. <laughs> do you reckon like in Sliding Doors, if that hadn't happened, that Oliver would be – what it is. Yes, because this we're talking about America and it had yes. already been a massive success in the UK yeah, yeah. and it continues to be a success in the UK. Yeah. So, yes, I do think it would have yeah. sliding doors moment. But that's still cool. very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot of people to be watching. Right? 
Ed Sullivan. So hey. that's like three, almost three times the population of Australia. Today. Today, yeah. <laughs> yes, then. that's like, right. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nuts. Um, I don't have any other fun facts. Don't you? Like, I have all... so many. Oh, please. Let's tell just me. talk facts. Okay. It was the first musical adaptation of a uh, famous Charles Dickens work to become a stage success. Yes. Every, everything else had failed. Yeah. Right? And so there had been two previous Dickens musicals in the 1950s. Both of them were television adaptations of A Christmas Carol and that was yeah. it. Yeah. Even now. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. A big yawn. Big yawn. Even now there aren't many. Like there's a few more Christmas carols. Yeah. There's actually a couple of versions of Christmas carols. It's true. But I don't think there's any other. Big ones. Dickens musicals, yeah. Um, Famous cast members from the original production include Barry Humphreys as Mr. Sowerberry and uh, Phil Collins and Davy Jones, um, Davy Jones from the Monkees, were both in that original cast as various child roles. I also, for some reason, always thought that Cameron McIntosh, when he was a child, played the Artful Dodger. Oh. But I can find no reference to this on the internet. And Maybe I he's had it scrubbed. dreamt it at no. some stage. It's not in any of his biogs. It's not in any – like I'm Googling all the things. No, I must have dreamt it. So wow. who knows where I heard that. Um, I thought it was really interesting that Robert Lindsay won the Olivier Award for Best Actor in 1997. So the show had started in 1994 and he came in and played Fagin in 1997. That's cool. So at that stage they allowed replacements yeah. to win Best Actor. I don't think that's the case anymore. No, I don't it's think it is It's certainly never been the case for the Tonys. Um, but, yeah, I thought that but was great. like, why not? Yeah. If they're that good – you should be able, if you have the role in any capacity. I agree. Hmm. Um, Can I talk, just tell you yeah. how many musicals there are based on Dickens novels? So many. Yeah. So there's like, there's six based on A Christmas Carol alone. Yeah. Um, there's Copperfield. There's Great Expectations. These are literally the names of the musical. There's Hex, the musical. Obviously, Edwin Drood. We knew about that. Oh, yeah. Edwin Drood. Pickwick. Smike. There's A Tale of Two Cities. There's a musical called Two Cities and The Woman in White. Oh, yeah. I forgot about The Woman in White. A Tale of Two Cities, I think actually I've heard of that musical as well. Like I think that was – I've heard of Two Cities. Oh, really? Yeah. I think A Tale of Two Cities was on Broadway. Yes, it was. Yeah. In 2008. Yeah, I was going to say like not that long ago. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Drama Desk Award nominations, out of critic circles. Never listened to it though. Have you? No, Never. Oh, Smike is on is based on Nicholas Nickleby. Okay, hmm. and then you and I have talked, I think, on the podcast not that long ago about the play adaptation of Nicholas Nickleby. Yes, that was incredibly successful. And we're like, why doesn't that get done anymore? Oh my god! And now I would love to see that. Yeah, that would be good. It's like an epic, like two part one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I think it's full on. Yeah, and obviously we love Edwin Drood. Yes, of course, you've covered it on the show. I have. Um, let's talk about that reality show that I'd do anything Oh, one. yeah. So it's had several successful people come from it. The final four in particular, literally they're like, have all done very well. So, really? um, Jodie Prenger who won, this is so like reality TV cliche. She had won the biggest loser two years before. Oh my God. So people do the rounds on reality. I guess. Wow. But I was like, what? Anyway, she has gone on, she was in quite a few shows on the West End. 
she went on to play Nancy, obviously. I hate The Biggest Loser. Oh, she does too. Don't oh. worry. She's talked about it. But she's now on, she's just, last year she started on Coronation Street. She's oh, like, wow. so she's still going. Yeah. And she apparently that was like always kind of her dream to be on like one of these big soaps. So Good on her. Yeah. So she's been in quite a few musicals over the years as well. Wowie. I think she was the Lady of the Lake when they did Spamalot. That's and, cool. Yeah. Well, so she must be good. Yeah. Um, the runner-up was Jessie Buckley, who we oh, mentioned. Wow. So she has gone on to be nominated for an Oscar for the last, the Lost Daughter. Sorry, mm. I should say, twenty twenty-one, and she won an Olivier for that production of Cabaret that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, so she can't have been that trash. No, um, Samantha Barks, I think, came fourth. She was um, she was Eponine, Eponine in, the, in yeah. the Les Mis film, and she also did the UK tour of this, and that's a, and they like. No, of, of um, Oliver. Oliver. That's right. And they and Karen McIntosh like came on stage at the end to tell her she'd been cast as, in the Les Mis film while she was doing. That's cool. The UK she was tour. surely quite young then. Yeah, pretty young. That's yeah. good. That's what. That's what. Nancy yeah. So be. I I read that in that show they had to be seventeen, like they had to yeah. be seventeen to audition, but. Some of them were well, most of them were in their early twenties. I yeah, think, yeah, like twenty three sort of mm. age. Um, and then Rachel Tucker, who I didn't even realise was in that no, show. No, me neither. So she, I believe, has played Elphaba and the um, Beverly Bass in um, Come From Away yeah. on both Broadway and the West End. I wow. think she's played both characters on both places. Wow. Certainly she's done Come From Away in both, in yeah, both yeah. places. So, yeah. Um, and so, like, they were the top four. That's huge. Like, that's pretty it's impressive. It's a lot of star power in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, I, like, I don't think, for example, that any of those other reality shows no. to find musical people have had anywhere near the success. No. Right? No, I would agree. Yeah. So but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, Lionel Bart. He wrote quite a few, like, standalone songs as well as musicals. Trunk songs, eh? Um, and uh, he wrote the theme for the 1963 James Bond movie from Russia with Love. Yes. Which I thought was cool. I and I think it's one. also worth mentioning he, like, Oliver was literally his only success. Oh, Lionel. It's awful. But basically, like, he, he went on to try and write several more shows, all of which were pretty massive flops mm. and most of which he put his own money in. No. Including um, one in the 60s that he funded himself and sold his past and future rights to Oliver to the entertainer Max Bygraves for £350. Uh. Um, Bygraves later sold them on for £250,000 and Bart later estimated that this action lost him over £1 million. Uh. Isn't that insane? Um, I, I do think it's worth mentioning, though, that Cameron McIntosh still paid him royalties for the 1994 production, even though he didn't have to. Yeah. So he didn't have the he didn't have the rights anymore, yeah. but he, I think, felt it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so wow. I, I think I had sort of read that he died penniless. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think probably he had a period, like he definitely filed for bankruptcy at one point. Mm. And like in the 60s and 70s, he was like, heavily addicted to like drugs and alcohol and he was very was known for partying. having like wild parties yeah exactly yeah. but I have a feeling that like by the time those 90s productions were happening he'd kind of come good again yeah right uh, he passed away he died in, in the 90s 1999 yeah, yeah right okay um and upon learning of his death Andrew Lloyd Webber called Mr. Bart the father of the modern British musical and I think that's probably true I think so yeah yeah think yeah, so. yeah 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 it's interesting because I was thinking about oh yeah Oliver is quite old and then I know we've talked about this a few times, but like a musical like Mary Poppins feels really old, but just mm, isn't. And, isn't, yeah. And Oliver is really held up 
right? to all of that. And I think that's honestly like was that was kind of my biggest takeaway was like it's not a show again, a bit like we talked about with Annie. Yeah. It's um, not one you're gonna enjoy. No, it's not one that's like a um I don't have a sentimental attachment. I don't feel things about the music, yeah. for example, yeah. but I kind of get why people love it because they've got like the kids and, and you know, like mm. those sorts of things mm. that people do get attached to those. Mm. But see, I would prefer to watch Oliver than Annie, for example. 100% personally. any yeah. day. Yeah. I, yeah, it's and maybe it's that's like a British versus American thing for me. I but would prefer to watch the musical Oliver over the musical Newsies as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I watched the film Newsies over all of them, but it was great, wasn't it? So great. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we talk Gateway songs? Let me look at my. Oh yeah, I've got a summary. Okay. Look, it's not the worst. I do. I do love that we see everything through Oliver's eyes and he's a very sweet, yes. very innocent little boy. And I imagine that if you have a good Oliver. Like, yeah, that could be quite well, nice. Yeah, like let's say you're seeing some little kid who's going to grow up to be, you know, yeah. a star kind yeah. of thing. Like that would be great. Yes. When a kid's impressive, it's the best. But, man, how do you find an impressive kid? Hard, hard to it's do. Difficult. And you've got to find four of them as well. Yeah. Unless you want to like method acting with a kid and make him do all the shows. Just like Oliver would have to work you're, all the time. You're literally not allowed. <laughs> In, on Broadway you are. Yeah, because fuck those kids, man. But no one likes the show over there. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, mm. Yeah, look, child labour is terrible. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> uh, so, no, I have nothing else to add. Yeah, what about so, you? Um, I just w- want to say, so I'm linking to, by the way, when I was looking it up on Spotify, um, if you looked up Oliver, some albums would come up, but you had to look up Oliver with an exclamation mark for them all to come up. Oh, my God. So, for example, I didn't realise that the 2009 recording existed because that only came up when you search for Oliver with an exclamation mark. I really like the cover art of that. Yeah, same. Like the, the It's very um, Cameron Mackintosh, right? Yeah, it is. Like yeah, yeah. That, that was the 94 and 2009 are the same, yeah. like, cover art, basically. Yeah. Um, so on Spotify, there's the original London cast recording. There's the 1994 94. Palladium cast recording. And by the way, um, you can really tell. So Jenny Galloway, who plays the widow Corny, like, so she is like the one who's been Madame Tenardier in like yes. every production. And of that's Les the Mis. character. She she runs the um the workhouse. With, yes. And marries Mr. Bumble, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the other workhouse. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Um, and the more guy. So, yeah. So... Um, I just was like, oh my God, I'm listening to Les Mis. Like it, it just, her yeah. voice is so distinctive yeah. from Madden Tenardier. I just thought I'd mention that. It feels like a lot of that cast were just straight from yeah, Les Mis. Definitely. Uh, and then the 2009 London cast recording, which is the one with the I'd Do Anything winners and Rowan Atkinson on yeah. it. Um, I think I've linked with my, I think I've linked to the 2009 versions. I've linked to the 94. Which I think. We basically picked the same songs, but we've linked to different versions. Nice. So yeah. we've repeated them. Mine, uh, I would say the 94 is just more traditional in terms yeah. of the way it's. Well, for example, the 2009 one is a live cast yeah. recording, whereas the 1994 one's a proper studio cast recording. Yes. Which helps, I think. It helps. Yeah. yeah. So what are they then? What did you so choose? So I, 
the same as you, I did Food Glorious Food and Pick a Pocket or Two. I didn't do Pick a Pocket or oh, Two. Oh, didn't you? No. What did you do? I did Consider Yourself oh, okay. and Food Glorious Food. Yeah, okay. So Food Glorious Food, obviously the opening. opening. What a banger of an opening. Yeah. Great opening. That's number. all the kids. Yeah. All the kids on stage. Is this what we're waiting for? It is a good opening. It's a great song. Yeah. yeah. Lots of like trudging on stage. Yeah. I can see the, the number in my head. Yeah. Even too many kids though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Too many. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, sorry. So I did Pick a Pocket or Two uh, when Fagan's teaching them how to. It's a great song. Thieve. Yeah. Uh, which is a great song. And I, I look, I have put As Long As He Needs Me only because I guess it's a good contrast piece. It's the only contrast in the show. It though, is. Right? Yeah. It's the only serious song in the show. And like, I, I, we didn't talk about this, but basically the the message is like, I don't care if he beats me. Yeah. Just as long as he needs me, kind yeah. of thing. It's yeah. It's like I would rather not be single. I'd rather yeah. be beaten to death. And like I'm not here to trivialize. That's an incredibly abusive relationship. Like he literally really, beats her to he death. Clubs her to death. Oh, like while we watch. Yeah, in front of everyone. Yeah. Clubs her to death. Yeah. For anyway. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty full on. It's a lot. Um. But, like, you already know all these songs. You don't need to listen to yeah. Gateway songs for Oliver. You should not engage with it again, if only because there are lots of other great shows out there. <laughs> like, so go, I don't know, listen to something but new. But you put Consider Yourself, did you? Consider Yourself. It's yeah. a fun – and I just love Arful Dodger. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's also just really cutely generous how he's literally like, whatever we've got, we share. The yeah. day he meets Oliver. That's nice. That's that a nice, nice kid. Yeah. And, like, times were tough for that kid. Yeah. So – it is the part as well as in an Artful oh, Dodger. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the one everyone wants to play. Shane was like, I wanted to be Artful Dodger. I'm like, Shane, everyone wanted yeah. to be Artful Dodger. It's the Rizzo of yeah. um, <laughs> Tough and Tender. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so look, um, my feelings on Oliver are not really changed since I, I haven't really learnt anything. Oh. Um, I don't know about you. I don't like I haven't no, changed I my mind I since researching it. I didn't learn anything it. new and I didn't change my mind. I think that. It's um, if you're going to do an old show, it's worth considering. Consider it. <laughs> I was not um, have any other lyrics. Uh, and it holds up, yeah. unlike a lot of shows these days. Yep, yep. That's my feelings about Oliver. The end. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to be next? <laughs> like, what are we going to do next? Yeah. Um, well, I'm seeing you're in town soon, so we might cover that. And we got a request for you're in town, right? Oh, yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Um, but also we have passion on our list at some point, <gasps> which is a Sondheim that we haven't covered. Yeah, passion. And we haven't covered a Sondheim together, I don't we think. We haven't. Can I just tell you, though, um, why I'm reluctant to do it is because as soon as we do passion, then we've only got like Pacific Overtures. We don't have much left. And then that's it. But I think we'll just hold off on Pacific Overtures for like a long time. Yeah, till the end of time because like then he – because he's passed away, that's it. That's the end of sun time. We just go back and yeah. we do Sunday. I'll be like, here's more I could tell you about evening primrose. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone would love that. <laughs> I could talk more about it though. Yeah, I'm sure you could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll, okay. uh, we'll see you for you're in town next time. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. All right. Bye, Ruth. Bye, Josephine. <laughs>